it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, thank you this morning for your presence. Thank you for your power. Thank you for the Holy Spirit who's here. Thank you for the Word of God. And as I step back, I ask for the Holy Spirit to step up so that everything that is spoken will be truth, will be inspirational, and most of all, it will become transformational. And so we thank you in advance for what's going to happen in our lives as a result of this Word, that we're going to become better stewards of what you blessed us with. And because we're going to become better stewards, that means more blessings are coming our way. And so, Lord, I thank you for blessings coming from the north, the south, the east, and the west. I thank you for blessings chasing us down. I thank you for goodness and mercy following us. And I thank you, Father, that we're entering into a season of overflow. Thank you for what you're going to do in our lives. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. Amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. We're in a series entitled, The Soulcology of Money. Say that with me. Say, The Soulcology of Money. And, and we've learned so far to give God's way. We've covered that uh, there are benefits that come when we obey God. And we also discovered last week that there are some requirements or there are some benefits in us becoming stewards. And so today, our lesson, which is our fourth one, we're going to focus on and discuss the strategies of money management. Now, I want to advise you up front and in advance that this is going to be a very practical message. Look at your neighbor and say, it's going to be very practical. So it doesn't matter what age you are, you can benefit from what I'm going to say. As a matter of fact, you'll be able to leave today and apply what I'm going to teach you. Now, I believe that the key to breakthrough is not in what we know, but is in what we do. So our lesson title, if you're taking notes, is called Budgeting, Breakthrough, and Blessings. Everybody say Budgeting, Breakthrough, and Blessings. And the goal of the teaching this morning is to provide you and I with some practical principles that will help us manage the money that God has entrusted us with. It will also assist us in successfully, say successfully. It will assist us in successfully managing our finances so that we're always in position for God to bless us. And then we're going to learn unique ways of managing our everyday finances uh, I believe in a very beneficial, practical way. So, if you have your Bibles, I want you to find Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, and then we're going to look at verse 38. Luke 6, 38. And then I want you to find Matthew chapter 25, verses 20. That was Luke 6, 38, and then Matthew 25, verses 20. And I'm going to give you a key principle this morning. Here's the principle that we're going to surround around the lesson that we have today. Here's the key principle. 
Financial blessings are activated by our giving, but they are maintained and increased by our stewardship. I'm going to say that again, and then we're going to back it up with Scripture. Financial blessings, say financial blessings. Financial blessings, they are activated by our giving. But these same financial blessings are maintained and increased by our stewardship. Now, Luke 6.38 is going to prove the first part of that principle that I just gave you. And then we're going to look at Matthew chapter 25 to show the rest. Matthew 638, uh, Luke 6.38, we all know the verse. This is what it says. Give, and it shall be given unto who? You. How? Good measure, pressed down, and shaken together, and running over, shall men give unto your what? Bosom. And then it says, for the same measure that you meet, it shall be measured to you again. Now, I want you to focus on the first part of that verse. Notice it says, here's the principle, when we give, whatever we give, it says will come back to us. Now, notice it didn't tell us what we give. So, this principle applies to anything in your life. If you give hell, you will get it in a good measure, <laughs> pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall your co-worker give you hell. But the same applies. Amen. If you bless others, blessings will come back to you in a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Do you all see that? So we can see that one of the ways that we can activate financial blessings, because if you give finances, what's going to come back? Finances. Well, notice now, that's the first part of the principle. Matthew 25, 20, I want you to turn there. Because now, once we understand how to activate financial principles, and if you just look at tithing, and we've talked about it, all the benefits and the result of tithing, how tithing op opens the windows of heaven and pours us out blessing, how tithing causes God to rebuke the devourer, how tithing causes blessings to come into our lives. Well, we see that. But now... I don't just want to be blessed. I want to not, I want to maintain the blessings and increase the blessing. Yeah. Amen. Matthew 25, look in verse 20. It says this. And so he, this was talking about the, the, the parable of the talents. And so he that had received five talents, he came and brought another five talents. How many talents does that total? Ten talents. And then the Lord, he said, Lord, I've delivered, you delivered unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said to him, what? Well done, thou good and what? Faithful servant. Watch this. You have been faithful over what? Over few. I will make you what? Ruler over what? Over many things. And then he says, enter into the joy of the Lord. Now I want you to notice here that this person was blessed with five talents. They took those talents and they used them and they increased them or they multiplied them and because they did that, in other words, they were good stewards over what was given. And because they were a good steward, God turned around and said, okay, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over the five talents and now the ten talents. I am going to give you some more. So I'm going to go back and say the principle again. Financial blessings are activated by our giving, but they are maintained and increased by our stewardship. 
What am I saying? I'm saying that stewardship is the key to increase in your life. And this morning, one of the things I'm going to do is show you how to increase your income without, watch this, without working a third shift and without having to kiss up to your boss. Amen. Now, notice that this steward in this parable had to have some type of system, watch this now, to manage and maintain the talents that were given to him. And here's why I say that. If he didn't have a system in place, he not only would not have known how many talents he had left from what was given, but he would not have been able to keep a record of how many he had left when the Lord came. Are you with me? So for us to receive more, you and I must be accountable with what we already have. Now, the best way to do this is by having a budget. Now, because budget is a bad word to a lot of us, budget causes some of us to break out in hives. One of my men gave me a better word for the word budget, and so I'm going to use it throughout my teaching. He says, Pastor, instead of using the word budget, why not use the word cash flow plan? Everybody say cash flow plan. I kind of like that. So uh, in Matthew 18, 12, go there since you're already in Matthew. Go to Matthew 18. Look at Matthew 18, 12. The best way for us to manage, say manage. The best way for us to manage and be great stewards over what God has blessed us with, we must develop and structure a cash flow plan. Now I'm going to prove to you in the Bible that there is a need for something like this. And then we're going to break it down and practically show you how to everyday manage your finances. Matthew 18, verse 12. Notice what it says. He says, how think you? If a man have a hundred sheep and one of them have gone astray, does he not leave the ninety-nine and go into the mountains and seek that which has gone astray? Now, y'all listen to what it says. He's saying that if someone owned a hundred sheep, that he had to count the sheep enough that if one of them went astray, he would know that only one went astray. In other words, he had to be watching, he had to be counting, he had to be managing all of the sheep for him to discover one was gone. Are you with me? Jesus was a great steward of money. The only reason he knew that Judas was stealing is because he was keeping up with what was in the bag. Are you all with me? And here's the thing, nobody else knew that Judas was stealing out of the bag other than Jesus, which tells me there had to be quite a bit of money in the bag because I could just see Peter going off. If there was only $10 in the bag and it's time to go eat food and, you know, they stop over at the Jerusalem Kentucky Fried Chicken and order a 10-piece and it's $11.99 and they only got $10 in there. Well, Judas is going to, you know, Judas would be busted, but Jesus was the only one that knew. Now, write down Proverbs 27, 23. Let me show you this principle again, that you have to know what you have in order for you to be a good steward. It says this, Be thou diligent to know the state of your flocks and to look well to your herds. Now, I said this on last week, and it bears repeating, that in those days... Some people were farmers, some people were agrarians. In other words, they raised or made money in different ways. And so if you were a cattle herder and you owned sheep, those sheep 
were worth lots of money. And here's why. One of the things that they did with sheep in those days, number one, the sheep provided wool. Number two, the sheep provided milk. But also, what you may not realize, the sheep provided sacrifices when they had to sacrifice to the Lord. So if I was a person who owned sheep, those sheep were valuable to me. So it was up to me to make sure I knew exactly how many sheep that I had. Are you with me? All right. So in order for you to maintain and increase blessings in the kingdom, God says, I don't want you to just, you know, give to me first and then just waste the rest. I want you to manage what you currently have and keep so that I can be a blessing more. Now, last week I handed out a budget sheet or what I'm going to call a cash flow plan sheet. Now, some of you all took that sheet and you threw it away. Some of you all took that sheet and you started filling it halfway out and you haven't finished. Some of you all folded that sheet of paper and you put it in your Bible. But let me just say this. If you don't currently have a budget or a cash flow plan in your life, you are, I'm, tell, I'm telling you now, you are not a good steward. Now, there are some of us who have the budget or the cash flow plan. We have it written out. We know how many bills we have. We know how, m- how much income we have coming in. But we don't have a good way to track and manage that, which also says we're not being as good as possible as stewards. So what I'm going to do now from this point on is I'm going to give you, you and us some principles to cash flow plan management. Everybody say principles to cash flow plan management. Now, I'm not a perfect budgeter. I'm not a perfect cash flow plan manager, but I'm a good one. I'm a decent one. You can't get a $6 million loan if you can't account for monies. Okay? All right? Now, you you can't be a good manager. Watch this. We paid cash for land. It was $300. I'll never forget because it was the biggest check I ever had to write. It was $327,000. I don't know if you've ever written a check that big, but uh, I was nervous. And they had two lines on that check that that had to be signed. I made Lisa Fuller sign the other line. I said, I ain't signing this by myself. (laughs) If somebody going to get in trouble, we both going to get in trouble. (laughs) But that that takes cash flow management to be able to do that, right? Well... Let's just talk about this cash flow management plan. Now, let me start out by saying this. If you are married, how many married? Let me see your hand. All right, good. If you are married, the only way to start out a budget or cash flow management plan is to agree to whatever is on that cash flow plan. You must agree not only to having a budget, but you must agree to every line item and the amount that's on there. One of the reasons budgets or cash flow management plans don't work in a marriage is because one person is setting all the numbers and the other person is going, I didn't have any input. One person is putting everything they like. They got all their shopping and all this stuff. And the other person is going, well, where am I spending money? Amen. And so the only way to have a balanced plan is if both people sat down and went line item on line item. You know what that means? That means now you're going to have to reveal how much money you make. 
Because some of you all, you, it's, your, it's your bills and it's her bills. Well, you know what? If you want to flow that way, that's fine. But it be in unity of what the bills are. Amen. So the first thing is, if you're married, you must be in agreement to the cash flow money plan. And then you have to agree to every line item. Here's number two. Make sure that there is a category for everything that you purchase as a person. In other words, remember, I wish I could have showed a picture of a budget up there. But a budget says, it says the income at the top. It says his and her income. And then there's another line that says other income. Because if you get child support or if you get alimony or other monies that come into the household, then you're going to put that under the other category. Now, after you have the income that's coming in, the next line you see, it's going to say tithe and offering. Somebody say amen to that. Which means that every cash flow plan should start with honoring God. Now, after you agree what's going to be in on the budget, and then after you honor God, now you have to create a system to track your expenses. And this is where most people's budgets fall apart. Now, I'm going to give you an idea of how I do things on the personal side and on the church side, but I'm also going to show you a couple of ways that you can uh, uh, specifically track your expenses because once I know how to track my expenses, I can tell you where my money's going. Amen. I mean, some of us, we go to the gas station and we pump gas and then we go in there and we buy stuff that ain't even on our budget. I'm kind of tired today. I'm going to get me a Red Bull. And so you go in there and you get you a Red Bull and then you see somebody with a burrito warming up in the microwave. And you get, ooh, that look good. I'm going to get me a, you get you a burrito. And then you got to have some chips to eat with the burrito. And so you get you, a, you know, the chips. And then you thought, oh, you know, I don't want to go to work in my breast thing. So you buy you some chewing gum here. And next thing you know, you done walked out buying $15 worth of items. So you have to have a system to track your expenses. Now, there are three ways to track your expenses. Now, I'm going to encourage you that if you can't write, focus, at the same time, listen to what I'm saying, and then go back and listen to the message online or by the CD. Here are three ways to track uh, expenses. Number one, you can track uh, expenses electronically. And then I'm going to go back through these. Number two, you can track expenses mechanically. And then number three, you can track expenses manually. Now, if you were writing, what was the first one I said? Electronically. Now, let me just talk about that one. I'm not going to spend a lot of time. But that's how you can track uh, expenses through QuickBooks. You know, if you are electronically savvy, then you can buy QuickBooks. QuickBooks is is an electronic checkbook. That's all it is. And what it allows you to do is when you use your check card, you download that, that software and then you start uploading. All, you know, when your bank spends the money, it comes in through your bank account. Well, you merge that bank account with QuickBooks and then QuickBooks says, okay, you went to the gas station. Uh, I'm going to code that as gas. And so it, it allows you to code that. But most people, number one, don't know how to work QuickBooks. And number two, don't have time for QuickBooks. So uh, I will say this. If you have a business, that's one of the best ways to track your business expenses. 
Amen. Because at the end of the day, once you're putting in all your information, QuickBooks will give you a balance sheet. It will give you uh, an income statement. And you'll always be able to know where your business is. Look at your neighbor and say, he's getting business on us. Now, since most of us cannot do that electronically, here's the second way that you can uh, track your expenses, and that is mechanically. And this is where you and I track every expense, watch this now, with a card. Now, you all are probably thinking different than what I'm thinking because most of us are already in trouble because we're using that, tra- that check card and we can't keep up with it. I mean, ching, 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 Right? So, what am I talking about? Well, the kind of card I'm talking about is not the same card you're talking about. The kind of card I'm talking about is pretty much a reloadable Visa or MasterCard. Now, I'm going to break it down for you in just a second here. But here's the first thing you're going to do. In order for you to mechanically track your expenses, you're going to have to buy one of these cards. But before you do that, you got to know that this is what's going to happen. Number one, you leave all the money in the account that covers automatic drafts. In other words, if you have automatic things that come out of your account, you're going to leave the money that you need in there so now when the the uh, house note comes through and it's automatic, that money's in there. You don't want to take money out that needs to be drafted out. Or you're going to get some NSF notices. Okay? Or is it NSF? Yeah, NSF. All right. So what you're going to do is you're going to get one of these uh, reloadable cards. And let me just say this to you. Uh, these cards, there's one uh, that American Express, and I'm not, I'm not promoting American Express, but American Express has one, and uh, if you live in Texas, there is no annual fee for this card, and there's no fee to continue to reload it. In other words, the, the only fee that you get is when you first buy this card. Now, here's what's going to happen. You're going to take all the remaining money. Let's say, for instance, now I got paid $3,000, and $1,500 of that needs to stay in the account for electronic bills, all right? So... I got that in there. Then I'm going to take out 1500 of that other money because that money now is money that I need to be able to track because the automatic drafts are trackable. Are you all with me so far? Okay. And so what you're going to do is you're going to take the other 1500 out and you're going to buy a reloadable card for every area on your budget sheet. In other words, you're going to have a reloadable card for, for laundry you're going to have, or, or cleaners. You're going to have a reloadable card for lunch. You're going to have a reloadable card for dining and entertainment. You're going to have a reloadable card for groceries. You're going to have a, a, a card for, for gas, his gas, her gas. You're not going to share a card. You're going to have your own card. And then once you have all these cards, you say, well, Pastor, how many cards do I need to buy? Look on your budget sheet, and your budget sheet should tell you what areas and how many cards you have. So on your budget sheet, you should have items like grocery, items like lunch, or items like dining and entertainment, whatever areas you have on your budget, that's how many cards you buy. Now, it's going to cost you a little bit up front, but remember, this is a reloadable card. There is no annual fee, and there is no fee to reload the card. So guess what? The card, you can use it forever. 
What you're going to do when you buy these cards, you're going to take a permanent black marker and you're going to write on the card what expense area that card belongs to. So, you know, if they all look alike, then guess what? You're not confused with what card is what. So you're going to write on there, his gas. And then you're going to write on yours, her gas. That's very important because if one person uses more gas than the other one, because they are touring the city. <laughs> they not coming straight home. You don't know that though. And they may not be doing nothing wrong, but they just they just touring the city, waving at everybody. But they wasting gas. They live five minutes from work. And then they 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 they, they wait a minute, wait a minute, baby. You why are you filling up every two days when you can walk to work? So you're going to name all these cards. And then what you're going to do is whatever amount that's on that budget, let's say his gas, let's say you get paid every two weeks. I had a column on that budget sheet for two columns. I had one for two weeks and I had one for every month. So if you're a teacher, you can do that for every month. And what you're going to do is take down that check and you're going to put it all in that two weeks. And let's say, for instance, $100 is what you're going to use for gas every week. So that means you're going to put in the column $200 and then you're going to put on his card $200. And every time you go to gas up, whether you get a receipt or not, don't matter because that card ain't going to let you go over. As a matter of fact, once you get to $99.99, if your card is $100, then it's going to let you get one penny worth of gas. I'm filling up how much? One penny. One penny. And you're going to take that remaining $1,500 or whatever it is that's left out of your drafted bills and you're going to put all of that money in each one of these cards. Now, let me tell you what that's going to do. And then let me just say this. You're going to buy some envelopes and you're going to put the name of the card on the outside of the envelope and you're going to put that card in the envelope. Now, if it's your gas card, you just take it with you. But if it's groceries or if it's dining out, don't dominate the card and you carry all the cards. If it's time to go out to eat, can't nobody buy it because you, you hogging the card. So you need to find somewhere in your house where your kids can't see because that's cash. You put it somewhere. If you, if you got to buy a safe, put, buy a safe, whatever. But you're going to put these envelopes or these cards in the envelope and the envelope somewhere in a safe place. And so now it is time to go grocery shopping. You're not going to grocery shop based on your stomach level. Never go to grocery shopping when you're hungry. Eat something before you go. And, you know, back in the day, I used to go to grocery shopping sometimes with some of my cousins who was on welfare, and we would eat while we were there. I never told you that, Mama, but I'm sorry. I mean, we tasted every fruit they had in the place, grapes, and we just, we was full before we left the grocery store. Don't do that, all right? Don't do that. But now when you go grocery shopping, you already know what you're going to spend. You know why? Because it's on your budget, and it's on your card. And now when you get in there, you can't overspend. So now you're going to be real careful. 
You're not just going to be going up there picking up, oh, I want cocoa puffs and I want some cheese puffs. You're buying all that junk and now it's time to buy some real food. And you get up there to that counter and say, ma'am, uh, you only have $25 left on your cup. Hold on. I need to go put some stuff back. I'll be right back. No, no. See, that helps you to control your expenses. You say, well, Pastor Evan, why are you making a big deal out of this? Because the only way for God to give us more, we have to be a good steward over what we have. How many understand what I just said? Okay, good. All right. So let's, let's look at a story here. Uh, well, now let's, let's talk about now uh, uh, the manual way to track expenses. What was the first way to track expenses? Electronically. What was number two? Mechanically. Here's number three. Manually. Everybody say manually. And this is where you track every expense with cash. This is when now, first thing you're going to do is, you know, if you're starting this this week, take all the cash out of your, out of your you know, go through your check register. And if you have any checks out, make sure that money stays in there. But let me just start out like you're starting out for fresh. You're getting paid, don't go deposit your check. Go cash it. You're going to go cash your check. And once you cash your check, you're going to go buy some envelopes. And the envelopes are going to have every area that is on your cash flow management sheet. And then you're going to write on that envelope, cleaners. Next envelope, groceries. Next envelope, his gas. Next envelope, insurance or whatever. And you're going to put cash. And the amount you're going to put in that envelope matches what's on your budget. Are you all with me? And then once you put all that cash in the right envelopes, then you use them when they come up. It's time to go to the gas station. Guess what? You go to your cash envelope, you go to the gas area, and you know, you know you're supposed to use $50 that week. Don't take $75. You're going to take $50 out. You're going to go to the gas station. You're going to give it to the man. Now notice, you ain't going to spend no more money in that gas station because you only took $50 in there. Now the red bull and your bull and my bull <laughs> ain't going to be no bull. <laughs> That's bull, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I had to put that out there. You know I had to put that out there. <laughs> Don't get offended. It's all right, all right? Okay, so you're going to go in there and you're going to put $50 on that. And then you're going to walk out and you're going to get in your car and you're going to pump $50 worth of gas. Let me tell you what happens. You say, well, Pastor Evan, what happens? Because once I do that, I'm already in the red on my budget sheet. So I don't even have enough money to put in the envelope or enough money to put on the card. How many would like for me to address that one? Okay, so let's look now. I want you to go to 2 Kings chapter 4. Go to 2 Kings chapter 4. Man, I'm running out of time. Are y'all getting anything? 2 Kings chapter 4. See, I'm showing you how to get some more. God will prosper those who he can trust with more money. 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings 4. Now, how do we address the negative situations where there's not enough money? How do we improvise make do, or get out of debt until more money comes. Well, this story, uh, this situation happened to somebody in the Bible. Second Kings chapter 4, I'm going to read verse 1. It says, Now there cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophet unto Elijah. She said, Oh, y- thy servant is dead. And you know that your servant did fear the Lord. But the creditor has come to take from me my two sons to be bondmen. 
Now, uh, I don't know if they had life insurance in those days, but apparently this man of God didn't have life insurance because if he did, he would have been able to pay off the creditors when he died. So this person didn't have life insurance. Well, in this case, the creditors were coming. Uh, the bill collectors start calling. Let's put it in that term. Bill collectors start calling. They calling you at work. They sending you emails. They calling your coworker. Hey, is Johnny there? Uh, who am I speaking? Uh, he knows I'm calling. And Elijah said to her, what shall I do for you? He says, tell me. Watch this now. Here's the first principle. What is in your house? And she said to him, thine handmaid does not have anything in the house except a pot of oil. He said, go borrow the oil. Go, let's, let's just stop here. Let's just look at the fact that the first thing he asked her to do was ask her what's in your house. So here's the first thing you're going to do. If you have a shortage of money right now, you're going to assess your current situation. You're going to assess your current situation. That's what he was asking her to do. He said, now, no, take a look around you and tell me what you see. And she said, well, hey, all I got are, is some, a little oil. That's what she said. She says, I have a pot of oil and that's it. Now, write down Luke chapter 14, verse 28, because this is what it says. For which of you intending to build a tower... Sit not down first and count the cost, whether you have sufficient to finish it. Lest perhaps after you have laid the foundation and are not able to finish it, and all that, be, that watched you are mocking, saying, he began to build and was not able to finish. Basically what that verse is saying is before you do anything major, sit down and count the cost. Well, that's what he was asking her to do. He says, I want you to sit down and I want you to tell me what's going on in your house. Then in verse 4 it says, he says, now go borrow, and I'm going to address that in just a second. Go borrow from all your neighbors some empty vessels. He said, don't just borrow a few. And when you come in, shut the door behind you, you and your sons, and pour out into all those vessels, and you shall set aside that which when it's full. He says, look, take the oil, pour it into the empty vessels, and once it's full, put it aside and do that again. Verse 6 says this. And it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said unto her son, bring me another vessel. And he said unto her, hey, there is not another vessel. And once he said that, that oil stopped. So she didn't know what to do after that. So she went back to the man of God. She says, listen, what do I do, man of God? And he said to her, go sell the oil. Watch this now. I'm going to show you a principle. Pay your debt and live you and your children on the rest. So here's something I want you to address. If you are in debt right now, if your budget is upside down, if you are in the red, listen to me now, then you must take immediate action. Everybody say immediate action. So watch this now. What are, what are the things you're going to do? Well, the first thing you're going to do is you're going to look to see what you have on hand. You're going to look to see what you have on hand. That's what Elijah told her to do. He says, check out and we'll see what's in your house. So you know what? He told her to go borrow some vessels. That's nothing but a home equity loan. If you're in debt and you need to get out, then maybe you have equity in your house and you can just refinance your house and get a home equity loan. Or maybe you can go out and get a signature loan. Now, a signature loan is a loan that they'll give you up, uh, up uh, to, I think, $10,000 and you don't have to have any collateral. Or you can go and get a, a new credit card 
and then consolidate some debt on that one card. You take the high interest cards and you take that new card and you put all your high interest on that one card and you consolidate your debt. And you say, well, Pastor, that, that, that involves good credit. I don't have it right now. Well, I understand that. And that's why I'm going to give you some other options. But here's one that you don't have to have good credit. You can borrow money from your 401k. See, the question is, how bad did you want to get, get your budget straight? Now, here's the problem. None of these will work if you don't fix the problem of why you got in debt in the first place. See, you can go and get your loans consolidated. You can go and borrow from your 401k. You can do all of that. You can pay all those loans off. You can pay all those credit cards off. But if you don't fix the problem that got you in that mess in the first place, you're going to turn around and it's just a matter of time. You're going to be right back in debt. Can I get an amen from the church? So, that's one way. You're going to look and see what you have on hand. I just gave you options. And then if those options don't work for you, then you must be willing to sell or downsize to get your financial situation under control. You say, well, Pastor, what are you talking about? Remember, she came to the man of God and he said to her, go sell the oil, pay the debt, and live off the rest. In other words... She had to come up with an idea to create immediate cash. So I'm about to give you some ideas on how you can create immediate cash. Say immediate cash. Because see, I see some of y'all thinking right now, well, he don't know my situation. I, I need some money right now. Well, I'm about to show you how to get some money right now. See, the only reason why you got bills is because you got some money. Okay, I'm going to say that on this side because I didn't think y'all got it. The only reason you have bills the only reason they gave you a credit card is because you got some money. Watch this now. So let me give you some ideas on how to create a media cash flow. Have a garage sale. How many got junk at home you don't use? Come on, be honest. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Have a garage sale. And when you get the garage sale money, and let's say you made $1,500. Ooh, I got $1,500. Girl, I'm going shopping. No, 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 no. That's not why we had the garage sale. We had the garage sale to get our budget straight, to get from out of the red. And so what you're going to do is take that $1,500 and look at the bills that you have that you can pay off. And now you free up monthly income. You're going to have a garage sale. Or guess what? You can sell some of your personal items that you value but could currently do without all those purses you got. I know it's fashionable to have a purse with every outfit you got, but it only, you can only carry one at a time. I know you're trying to keep up with your girlfriend and how many purses he done bought, her husband done bought her, but listen, I would rather have a Uchi with money in it than a Gucci with no money in it. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me today. Man, I'm out of time. You're going to sell something. Sell your jewelry. I mean, years ago, man, we got into a tight spot, and my wife had a, a, a Rolex bracelet like I got on right here, but it was gold. This is white gold. Hers was like, what do you call it? Gold gold? Yellow gold? And uh, I was like, babe, hey, we, we, we got to sell it, man. We, we got to sell it. I didn't have one to sell. Okay? And I, I felt when I was doing this lesson, I really need to do a financial seminar. How many would come to the financial seminar if I did it? Okay. I think I'm going to have one because I can walk you through some other stuff. But let me just stay on track. So you might have to sell some of your jewelry. 
you may have to get rid of some of your extra vehicles. I know you're bouncing around. You got three or four cars. You need to bounce right over to the dealership and sell some of them. <laughs> you got a motorcycle sitting over there, a motorcycle or two. You'd be surprised how much people got stuff and they don't want to get rid of it. Sell that motorcycle. Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking to you right now. He's talking to you right now. Now, while you're trying to create immediate cash, stay away from get-rich-quick schemes. You know, you see somebody, they meet you, they say, look, I can help you work from home, and you can make $1,000 a month, and you don't have to do nothing. You look at your budget sheet, and you behind by 1000 God doesn't answer my prayer. Write down Proverbs 13, 11. This is what it says. It says in the King James, Wealth gotten by vanity shall be diminished, but he that gathereth by labor shall increase. Here's the Amplified. Wealth not earned, but won in haste or unjustly or from production of things for vain or, watch this, detrimental use, such uh, will dwindle away, but he who gathers little by little will increase. The Living Bible says this. Wealth from gambling quickly disappears. Wealth from hard work grows. Proverbs 20, 21 in the Amplified says this, An inheritance hastily gotten by greedy and unjust gains at the beginning, in the end, it will not be blessed. In other words, there's no quick way to get out. Here's another way that you may have to adjust your budget. You may have to downsize. There are a couple of ways to downsize. You may have to trade that BMW in for a Honda. It's still going to get you to work. You may have to sell your current house and buy a smaller one. Oh, y'all don't want to do that, do you? Here's another one. This is one you can do right now. You can do this when you leave. You can do this on your way home. You can reduce immediate expenses. In other words, you can just remove and cut off satellite and cable. You can call on your way home. Just, hey, uh, satellite, uh, this is uh, DirecTV. How may I help you? Uh, I want to cut off my satellite. Uh, uh, Ma'am, why would you like to do this? You know, you've been a loyal customer. My pastor said cut it off. <laughs> I called because I, I got my satellite, you know, my, uh, all these fraud things. And so they had changed my check card again. And my check card was connected to my automatic payment for my satellite. And so I called in to straighten that out. And when they told me to balance, I was like, ma'am, is this one month or two months worth of satellite uh, bills? Because, you know, since it's automatic, I don't pay that much attention to it. She said, well, that's just one month. I said, the devil is a lie. I said, man, we're going to cut this off right now. I said, I got I to gotta compare this with somebody else. I said, there's got to be somebody else offering satellite for a cheaper price than this. He said, hold on, sir. You've been a customer since 2006, and we really value you. So let me take you over to our customer appreciation department. Man, they cut my bill in half just because I was willing to cut it off. And you got to cut off cable. Fix your lunch instead of eating out. Come on. Change your dinner menu. Instead of steak, you may have to buy chicken. And if you eat chicken, you might have to buy ramen noodles. I'm giving you some money. Mow your own yard. I know at the time you was rolling in the dough. So you had to pay somebody. You paid somebody to, to mow it. But right now, you need some dough. That $35 a week, that's 140 How much is that? That's $140 a month. Listen, you can do something with that $140 a month. 
Review and compare your insurance bill. Call your agent up and say, I'm getting ready to drop you. Why? Because I think it's high. I'm getting ready to compare. Well, hold on for a minute. I can drop it down by this much. You got to check out and review and compare insurance rates. Refinance your car. Amen. And you know what? I'm out of time. Well, no, I'm stopping today. I'm stopping today. I got to stop today. Uh, and so uh, I got tomorrow. I got next week. I got next week. But did y'all learn enough today? Can y'all give the Lord a hand clap right there? Every head bowed. Every head bowed. Father, we know, based on your word, that if we're faithful over little, you said you would promote us for more. And Lord, we've heard the word. We've heard principles. And I pray now that you will help us to begin to practice what we've heard. And I, I declare over our church that more is coming. And because it is, we must get in position to not just receive the more, but to, to manage the more. And I thank you for everyone here that's under the sound of my voice. That, Father, where there needs to be conviction, let there be conviction. Where there needs to be change, let there be change. Where there needs to be agreement in marriages and relationships, let there be agreement. And I thank you in advance for positioning us to receive the wealth of the sinner. Because you said you've already laid it up for the just. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. With every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here today, you say, Pastor Evan, if I die today, I'm not 100% sure I go to heaven.